The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Good morning. Welcome to the Roto Experts in the morning here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Scott Engel, the managing director of RotoExperts.com. I am the king. I am fantasy. Dane Martinez is out today. He is out teaching young hip-hop fans how to rap. He's doing a special camp on Delancey Street, teaching those young men and women who want to be the next Grandmaster Flash or the the next Biggie that on a, the just the exact skills that you have to have to be a great rapper. And everybody who listens to rap thinks they can rap, but... It's kind of difficult if you've tried it, but Speed's a spitting statistician is uh, helping those young people out. So today we'll have Jake Seeley with myself. Uh, we'll be talking a lot of fantasy football. In fact, uh, we're going to be doing a mock draft later this morning at Studio 34 in New York City with a lot of the staff. I have the third pick overall, and I guess the big question is, am I going to be going running back or will I be going for a top wide receiver? I'll probably likely lean running back. I figure Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley are going to go off the board. but And then I'm left with David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, or Antonio Brown. And I'll probably lean David Johnson over Ezekiel Elliott just because, okay, we hear that Elliott is going to carry so much that offense and catch passes. And he could catch passes with the, with the Cowboys wide receiver situation, and don't let anybody named Parson tell you anything otherwise. The Cowboys wide receiver situation is disgusting. They don't have any proven impact talent there. They don't have a number one wide receiver. They don't even have a number two wide receiver, possibly. They have a rookie, and they have a recycled Jaguar, and that's about it. So, look, Ezekiel Kelly could catch a lot of passes out of the backfield, but what we do know is is that David Johnson has done that already. So when you're splitting hairs at number three and number four between David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott, I lean towards the guy where I know he's done it already. But, hey, if you want to go Ezekiel Elliott, you know, I'm not going to be arguing with you. So uh, that'll be fun today as well. And you can't go wrong with Antonio Brown. He's clearly the best number one wide receiver. But when you have a chance to get a superstar elite running back, you can't pass on it. Now, of course, now I'm saying to myself, 
Gurley and Bell could go first, and everybody makes this mistake every year at some point. Well, I, I always get a phone call. Well, I know it's going to go like this in the first eight picks ahead of me, so who should I take number nine? I don't care. I say it every year. You can't accurately predict what's going to happen ahead of you. You just have to let the draft come to you. When I was in my dynasty draft last week, I had the number nine pick, and all I did was rank my top nine, and then it was when it was time to, to pick, I took the top guy left on my board because the worst-case scenario is is that the ninth guy left on the board is going to be the one for me. And that's exactly what happened. I ended up with Naheem Hines of the Indianapolis Colts, who's going to be very, very interesting this year. Now, if you read the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package on rotoexperts.com, and if you, you haven't, I don't know why you're not yet, you enter radio at checkout for a special discount. It's available now. But our Brandon Murchison, you're talking about some uh, some impact players for this year, uh, says that he thinks Naheem Hines is basically a smaller version of Alvin Kamara. And if you also read about uh, Zero RB theories as well from Mike Leone in uh, the Exclusive Edge package, he talks about if you're going to go Zero RB, you should go with pass-catching backs. You know, we've we've seen it in the past that the pass-catching back can certainly bolster that sort of fantasy production. We saw it in Theo Riddick in 2015. We saw it with Alvin Kamara. Some of these pass-catching specialists can really make up for the lack of rushing yardage that they get with the amount of catches they get out of the backfield if they're used regularly. I remember Chris Thompson last year before he got hurt. I absolutely love that guy. Out of all the pass-catching backs in the NFL, uh, I don't think that any, and at least uh, hopefully recovers the ability of, I, I don't think any in the in the entire NFL has the explosive ability to score in a single play like Chris Thompson. Now, of course, he's not built for regular carries, which is why they drafted Darius Geis. 5'8", 191 pounds, fifth season out of Florida State, I don't think there's anybody more dangerous in the NFL to a defense when he's got the ball in his hands as a receiver from the running back position than Chris Thompson. And if you look at some of the receiving games last year, uh, I, th- I think it's, it's you, know, you certainly saw some flashes of it and what he can do against uh, against the Raiders. Six carries for 150 yards with a long of 74 yards. When I saw that, I said, wow, Chris Thompson is going to be a hot pickup. Then against the 49ers, four catches for 105 yards with a long of 49. Against the Cowboys, eight catches, 76 yards, long of 26. And he also had a 27-yard reception against the great Minnesota Vikings defense, which arguably could be the best defense in fantasy football this year. So if you want to get some of those pass-catching backs, even though Darius Geis is coming into uh, Washington, is probably going to take over as the lead guy right now, I have to believe that uh, Chris Thompson is going to retain a role there because 
I don't know if they want guys to be an every down back. As physical as he is, he's so physical that he's injury prone. And, you know, that is definitely a concern when it comes to Darius Geis. But you got to keep an eye on these pass-catching running backs. You know, some of these guys, if you're not going to go running back, say, in the first three rounds, these are players that can certainly bolster your production and maybe even start for you. I know people talk about Theo Riddick, but I think I, I don't think Theo Riddick is a thing anymore. I really don't. Uh, he was in 2015, but uh, over the last few years, the amount of receptions has certainly gone down. The stats, the stats have gone down. I think, I think Theo Riddick is actually overrated, uh, overrated over the last few years. Now you look at him in 2015. You know, let's just go look at the receiving stats, and not the rushing stats. In 2015, 80 catches for 697 yards, three touchdowns. Then the year after that, dipped to 53 catches for 371 yards and five touchdowns. And last year, 53 catches for 444 and two touchdowns. So I think uh, I think people basing it a lot on what we saw in 2015. But you really look at it, Theo Riddick's been a one-year wonder in terms of receiving. Let's look at his game log from last year. He started off the season character. Six for 27 and a touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals. You think, okay, Theo Riddick is back. That's, uh, and the, the, the rushing numbers never really count in. He only had 286 rushing yards last year. Last year, uh, they, then it gets the Giants three catches for 17 yards, four for 38, one for eight. Then he had four for 45 against the Panthers, five for 45 against, uh, Against New Orleans, so that's eight, and that's nine. It's not bad, but you're expecting better because you're not getting the rushing yards. Two for 24 against the Steelers, four for 62 against the Packers. But then he, then he had a three-game stretch in which he caught just five passes for 28 yards. There was a six for 64 late in the season against Tampa Bay, but then a three for 12, a two for 12, a 323. Just not the kind of guy you want in your flex every week. I think Theo Riddick's kind of overrated, especially when you break it down and you look at the game log. So who are those type of pass-catching running backs that could really help you in PPR leagues if you're going to dig deep and go the zero wide receiver theory? Like uh, like Mike Leone points out in his zero running back and zero wide receiver theory article uh, on rotoexperts.com in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Christian McCaffrey is obviously the top of the heap, but when you, you you talk about when you want to dig deeper than that, who are going to be some of the pass catching guys that could really uh, maybe bolster you if you want to wait? Could they be sleepers, etc.? And I have Chris Thompson ranked at thirty seventh in my PPR ranks, and uh, you know he's the one that I really like. As I already mentioned, you know, I already gave you the, the reasons why. But some people may be worried about Chris Thompson's health. Uh, you know, it always depends on the type of injury, how the player heals, because every player heals differently. And Chris Thompson, uh, according to, to the latest report from ESPN, 
they're saying they were saying in May they don't expect uh, that his role is going to change. He's coming back from a broken leg in December and was expected to need about six months to recover. So he should be good, at least according to the last reports that we've seen from ESPN. But, of course, you still want to see how these guys look in camp and how they look in the preseason before you make your estimations about how much they can actually contribute to your fantasy team. So I always go over to InsideInjuries.com when I really want to know uh, what a player, what is going to be expected from a player, what their injury recovery estimated return date is. And you just go to Inside Injuries and you type in the name of the player in the, the search box. And I'm looking at Chris Thompson right now. And I wonder if, it, wonder if it's updated uh, because they talk. I, I don't think it's updated right now, but I, when they update their database, I think it's going to, I think I definitely want to check out what they say about Chris Thompson, but I haven't seen any uh, reports where they're indicating that he shouldn't be ready for the season. So let's look for some more reports to come out of camp. But right now I have him ranked at 37. 39th is Tariq Cohen. And I believe with this new coaching staff that Tariq Cohen is a guy that was misused last year. And really, if you're going to go zero running back theory and look for those type of pass catchers, uh, you know, Matt Nagy should be and his team should know much more what to do with with Tariq Cohen than what we saw last year. So I like Tariq Cohen a lot. Uh, you know, we only saw it in flashes last year uh, under John Fox that he was misused, but we definitely saw the potential. I mean, anybody with a pair of eyes could see how potentially explosive this guy has. And the receiving crew really isn't established in terms of having chemistry with Mitch Trubisky, but of course there's a lot of potential there. I mean, you look at Allen Robinson, and you also look at uh, you also look at Anthony Miller, who could be the most explosive receiver coming out of this rookie class. There's certainly potential there, but Trubisky's already worked with Tariq Cohen, so I think you're going to see a lot more upside from Tariq Cohen. You know, looking at my rankings from 39, do I have him too low? You know, maybe I'm going to have to boost him here. But you have to look at who's ahead of him. I have Nick Chubb at 35 in my ranks right now on rotoexperts.com in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter the King at checkout for a special discount. And he's behind Aaron Jones. He's behind Nick Chubb. And those guys could actually get a chance to start at some point. So as much as I'd like to uh like to bump them up i don't think i could if you have fantasy football questions at any time glad to answer them this morning whether they're dynasty keeper uh do you have a tough decision on who to keep right now uh 844-843-6879 that's 844-843-6879 well uh i'll actually have a little bit of a baseball update 
for you in just a little while, but we're mostly focusing on football as the calendar turns to July and the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package is live on rotoexperts.com. And uh, for those of you who watch NASCAR, I know Kenny from Philly does a finally a very exciting finish in the uh, in the Cup Series yesterday uh, between Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson. And you look, Rubin's racing, and that's that's the way that things go. Like Kyle Busch said to the people that were booing him yesterday, he said, you know, if, you, if you're going to whine, you don't like it, then don't watch, which I thought was uh, very, very funny. But uh, we're here for the football. I know you guys are listening. I know, uh, I know your drafts really haven't started yet. You know, we've seen the FSTA draft already. And we're going to have the uh, FNTSY mock today. We'll have all the results in the exclusive edge package for you. And, of course, you want to check them out as well. Uh, on the uh, Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page. But any fantasy football questions, I, I also encourage you to reach out on Twitter if you're you're shy about about maybe calling in. You know, because not everybody uh, you know, feels comfortable with calling in, and they they prefer Twitter or whatever they uh, whatever they prefer. I'm sorry, I can't give you my number. To, uh, to text me your questions, but uh, I can certainly, uh, if you don't feel comfortable calling in, you, know, you can certainly use the Twitterverse to get your fantasy football questions answered. I already be getting some keeper questions uh, out there as well. So 844-843-6879, it's 844-843-6879. So I was talking about how much I like Tariq to, to Cohen as well. Uh, Duke Johnson at number 42. I just worry with Duke Johnson that now with Jarvis Landry in there and the receiving crew is going to be much better. It's going to have Josh Gordon for a full season. David Njoku is going to take a step forward. I kind of worry about his numbers declining just a little bit. So I think there's a floor there with Duke Johnson, but kind of worried about the ceiling as well. I think Corey Clement... Oh, I have a number 45 in PPR and rotoexperts.com is a very interesting case. Uh, you know, Jay, now that LeGarrette Blunt is not there, Jay Ajayi should definitely become the featured back. But with Corey Clement, I think maybe he can kind of slip into that third down role and uh, become become a pass catching back for the uh, for the Eagles. You know, we saw his explosiveness. Last year, you know, especially in the playoffs, you know, 5'10", 220, you know, if Jay Ajayi also goes down, uh, I think there's a guy that could depend on to carry the load. It's not like not like he's smallish, but when you look at, like, against New England in the Super Bowl last year, four catches for 100 yards, then also five for 31 against Atlanta, you know, I think there's there's certainly some potential there. He didn't get a lot of snaps last year. Uh, especially early in the season, but certainly showed uh, some receiving potential there, a little bit of potential to make plays. You know, maybe they unleashed just a little bit more, had a 28-yard catch against the Rams uh, early last December, had a 23-yard catch and run against the Seahawks last year, a uh, 22-yard catch and run last year as well against Arizona. So, Corey Clement could become that compliment to Jay Ajayi, and uh, there's some real sleeper potential there, I believe. Uh, I do have uh, 
Theo Riddick at number 47, but I believe that's a floor and not much of a ceiling. And then I have Naheem Hines at 49, somebody else to watch in terms of pass-catching abilities. Uh, as I was saying, James White should still be a pretty busy wide receiver for, for the Patriots, but I don't like him too much at 57. So there are there aren't a ton of specialty backs, you know, o- overall in my top uh, in my top fifty or so. But uh, yeah, there's certainly a few guys there. Uh, I think Dion Lewis certainly going to catch some passes out of the backfield for Marcus Mariota. Uh, I certainly like him at number twenty seven. It's going to be a combination of him and uh, Derrick Henry in Tennessee, uh, and. Jarek McKinnon is, uh, I actually have ranked number 13, but uh, I'm wondering if I should bump him down a little bit. Uh, I know he's going to have that pass-catching skill, but is Jarek McKinnon really ready to take a full-time role over an entire season with 16 games? I think uh, I think a lot of people are actually overrating the San Francisco 49ers. Now, everybody talks about how they went 5-0 and down the stretch, how Garoppolo 7-0, and but... Just because something happens down the stretch in one season doesn't mean it translates to the following season. Momentum doesn't carry from December to September, from January to September. That's a long time. And a lot of coaches, especially within the division, are going to spend a lot of time breaking down film. As much talent as the 49ers seem to improve uh, on paper, you can't look at them and you know just look at Look at it that way. This team needs time to gel. Jimmy Garoppolo has never started the season as an NFL quarterback and has never played a full 16 games. So defenses are going to be prepared for him coming right out of the chute. He played five games last year where there was no pressure. The 49ers couldn't make the playoffs. They were 1-10. It's more freewheeling. Now he comes out with a lot of pressure on him at the beginning of the season and a huge contract and defensive targets all over him. How is he going to adjust? Jarek McKinnon and and, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo have never played together before. Uh, Pierre Garçon is coming back from an injury here. You know, this team has to develop chemistry. I think there's going to be some bumps for the 49ers. And I remain skeptical about Jarek McKinnon and what he can actually do over a full season. So, am I ranking him too high at number 13? I've seen some predictions of 1,800 yards from him. But, you know, when I look at Jared McKinnon's career, you know, what's the most, what's the mo- the, uh, the most that he's ever carried the ball in a full season? Well, certainly not commensurate with anything that he's going to see this year. Uh, you know, Jarek McKinnon is at four years in the league, and he's never had more than 159 attempts. So expect him to be the full-time feature back. You know, that's that's a bump up. That's kind of like in baseball, you know, when when all of a sudden they're bumping up your in- innings and they're talking about the Verducci effect. Last year, he never had more than 16 carries in a game, never more than 95 yards in a game. Uh, you know, we've always seen the potential as a wide receiver. That game against Cleveland last year, he had 122 yards from scrimmage. Everybody got very excited. But rushing-wise, starting at week five against Chicago, 16 for 95. 
had six catches for 51 yards. If they can get them out of him most every week, that's what they're looking for. Then against Green Bay, 15 for 69, 5 for 30. Against Baltimore, 77 yards from scrimmage. And then we mentioned the game against Cleveland. Against Washington, he had 47 yards from scrimmage. Against the Rams, 60 yards from scrimmage. And then against Detroit, he had 54 yards from scrimmage. So I don't really see a major outstanding game other than the Cleveland game from what he did last year. So I'm kind of finding it hard to believe. Like there's always, there's always the, the assumption that, that, uh, that increased opportunity leads to increased production. But do we really know this with Jarek McKinnon? Can he take the banging over a full season? That remains to be seen. Jared McKinnon's 5'9", 205. So it's not like he's necessarily built for that every week banging. Am I, am I, over, am I over-ranking Jared McKinnon? Are people overrating Jared McKinnon, you know, coming in, in, into, this, uh, into this season? So, you know, you got to take a look at what he did last year. And outside of the Cleveland game, there's, there's nothing really blows me away. There's a few good games. Etc. But nothing that leads me to believe that all of a sudden this guy can come at eighteen hundred yards from scrimmage back, as people people are indicating. I think that's a little bit of a stretch there. So I'm I'm kind of skeptical on Jarek McKinnon. You know, I'm, sometimes as I study things, I'm always uh, moving my ranks around on RotoExperts.com. So you want to keep focused on what I'm doing there in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package on RotoExperts.com. Uh, we're always updating the information to keep you to keep you fully uh, abreast of everything that's going on. We're updating everything with the Jameis Winston news, so uh, we'll make sure that everything stays current as well. So uh, and make sure you enter the King at checkout to get a discount on the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package on RotoExperts.com. So we'll talk a little baseball coming up next. And then we'll get back to football in the 8 a.m. hour. I'll be uh, I'll be joined by Jake Seeley, and uh, yeah, Jake and I will talk. We'll talk a lot of football then as well. And then uh, later today, we'll be doing that FNTSY mock draft. I have the third pick. So who am I going to go? David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Browner. Please to be found out. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Kiss 
that's what we fans like to call it. You're either Kiss fan or you're not. Some of you get it, some of you don't. It's the Roto Experts here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Scott Engel, the managing director of RotoExperts.com. I am the king. I am fantasy. Be joined in a little while by Jake Seeley. Talk some fantasy football. The exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package is live on RotoExperts.com. Enter the king at checkout for a special discount. And who wants to go to a 2018 World Series game? If you're a Marlins fan, uh, I think you'd like to go, but you won't see your team play. Uh, tune into the Fantasy Sports Radio Network between July 8th and July 17th as we'll be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge for your shot to call in with a chance to attend the Fall Classic in person. The number to play is 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-FNTSY. The contest is sponsored by DKMS, who is looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. While 30% of patients can't find a matching donor in their families, 70% nearly 14,000 each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So find out how you can help the cause and go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. It's the DKMS Trivia Challenge July 8th through July 17th. Call in and win. And if you have any fantasy football questions this morning, 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-6879. Uh, and uh, we have a keeper question or something seasonal or even have a fantasy baseball question, we'll be glad to answer. We'll get back to the football in a little while. But here's some updates. Will Smith actually got the save last night, retired the final batter last night as San Francisco beat Arizona and that was his second save of the season in the second in the last few days. Mark Melanson actually came in before him but couldn't finish the job. So right now we might be getting a bean on this closure situation in San Francisco. Could be Will Smith, who has had tremendous ratios all season long and maybe the, one of the best, maybe the best reliever out of that San Francisco bullpen. Sometimes when you get these closure situations, Dana will ask me, so, Scott, who's going to close? You know, now that the main guy is out, sometimes there's no specific answer. It has to be played out in an audition sort of process. And I think that's what happened in San Francisco. That's what also happened in Kansas City with Wiley Peralta as well. So right now, Will Smith, but a lot of your waiver runs have already happened, so you may have to wait until next week. Dave Roberts announced that Max Muncy is going to be the Dodgers' everyday second baseman going forward. If you go on demand, you can hear my uh, my interview last week with Dodgers hitting coach Turner Ward and why he felt that Max Muncy had turned it around. And we talked a lot about how he uh, how he changed his stance from earlier in his career. Muncy has taken full advantage of an opportunity with the Dodgers in Los Angeles and it's just been a revelation uh, two years after he got cut by the uh, by the Oakland Athletics and he thought his career was over. Right now, Max Muncy is hitting 273 
with 17 home runs and 32 RBIs. Uh, his 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 uh, isolated power is an outrageous 335, but still, he's been a revelation. And to talk some more Max Muncy and a little baseball before we get back to football. Uh, welcome to Jake Seeley. Jake, good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, I hope, I hope you're not talking too much baseball, though. Not, not too much, just uh, updating people on injuries. But um, how much do you think the regression police are coming from Max Muncy and how soon? I wrote about him two weeks ago. And I thought it was coming back then, and it still isn't coming at this point. Uh, honestly, this is starting to turn into Chris Taylor on the same team from last year. Like At this point, it's kind of like we keep expecting it because you look at him, he doesn't profile for this kind of power. He never has, and it's just kind of like, like I said, similar to Chris Taylor. Nobody thought Chris Taylor was going to do anything like he did last year. Uh, that sometimes these these seasons might happen. I think they're still coming. I mean, if you look at the numbers and generally all point to some regression, but maybe the drop-off isn't going to be as steep as we expect. So I still try to sell high. I think a lot of people are doubting him, though, so I don't know how high you could sell him for because it's a name that nobody even knew to start the year. But if, see, if I can even get 90% of what he's producing in a trade, I would still do it. Because, as, as you know, Scott, it's not just Muncie. But if he goes for a cold, like, like, let's say he goes cold for 10 days. This team has so many options in the outfield and on this roster that he could lose playing time like, immediately if they don't feel like he, you know, he's going to continue to hit for the rest of the year. Some other updates here, and we'll try to get down real quick and get back to the football. I want Jake's opinions on some of the things I talked about in the first few minutes. Uh, Jorge Polanco is expected to be back from the Twins lineup today. He's eligible to return after playing his 20 minor league games. Uh, Nick Kingham is going to be called to start Monday against Los Angeles. Carlos Carrasco is going to be back on Friday against the A's. Vince Velasquez hitting the 10-day DL with a right arm injury. The Angels are expected to activate Shohei Otani this week to be their DH. Uh, they were saying that he was going to be uh, reevaluated three weeks last week. What are you expecting out of Otani as a hitter with this injury? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting too much. I mean, even when he was hitting, it was a decent hitter. It wasn't somebody like, if you're in a league where he exists as pitcher and hitter, as if he's the hitter only, you're probably looking at somebody you want as your fourth, fifth outfielder because one is he wasn't hitting every day all the time. And two is it's not like he was Mike Trout out there. He was entertaining. It was definitely fun to watch, and he was definitely producing. But he wasn't more than like your fourth outfielder on a team. So that's probably what I would expect going forward. I actually have an interesting question for you, Scott. If you're, if you're in a league, if you're a commissioner of a league and you have Otani and you have Otani like Tout Wars is for us where he exists as two different people – if he's actually, yeah, I actually own him as the hitter in Tout Wars, yeah. Okay, if you owned him as the pitcher and he's off the DL, would you make the people who own him as a pitcher take him off the DL? I just think that's an interesting question we have to deal with. Uh, well, they say he's not going to pitch the rest of the year. But he's up the DL. If, a play, if the player is technically active, I, I think you've got to activate him. Yeah, it's just kind of an unfortunate yeah. situation. Yeah. Gary Sanchez is expected to return after the All-Star break. Lorenzo Cain is expected to, to uh, be, be activated midweek. Leonis Martin went for, uh, on the DL for the second time this season with a strained hamstring. Matt Chapman is expected to be returning on Tuesday. 
Uh, Chad Bettis leaving Sunday's start with a finger injury. And uh, Lurie Garcia also leaving uh, Sunday's game with a finger injury as well. You're listening to the Roto Experts with Scott Engel and Jake Sealy. We get back to the fantasy football talk. And I was talking about two points in uh, in the first 25 minutes or so, Jake. You know, we are talking a lot last week about Mike Leone's article in the exclusive edge package on the zero running back theories and how you need to get pass catching backs. And I was looking at a few of them, and, you know, Theo Riddick, I have ranked 37, but maybe it's too high because it's based on reputation. Outside of 2015, has Theo Riddick been basically playing on reputation? Because he was extremely unreliable last year. He's been injury-prone the last two seasons. I think Theo Riddick's reputation is maybe based on one season where he caught 80 balls, and his numbers have been dipping every season since. Uh, I don't think that it's that's necessarily that. I think it's the fact that people play a lot of PPR now, and the truth is he's always been an RB3, even in PPR, because of that inconsistency. You know, the numbers of the year, the end for Theo Riddick, he'll be an RB3. He will be again this year. The fact is, though, if you look at week to week, you're going to have to deal with, even in PPR, a two, three, four-point week here and there when some weeks he's yep. double-digit points, you know, you're going to bounce around. He's kind of like the Sean Jackson of running backs. You're going to have four or five big weeks. You're going to have four or five miserable weeks, and then the rest falls in the middle. And But at the end of the year, what does that always equal out to? is RB3. It's just the ride is bumpy to get there. That's why when everybody says that, oh, I don't mind having a theoretic as my RB2 in PPR. Is that, really? Because I do. Because I, I definitely mind having to bounce around with not knowing if I'm going to get 4 or 14 in a given week. Yeah, but I, I always thought theoretic was kind of overrated. You know, these pass-catching backs, it's very hard to trust them. I mean, my, my favorite is Chris Thompson because, you know, no, we saw that 76-yard touchdown run last year. That's exemplary of Chris Thompson, what he can do when he's healthy. And, you know, no, I think nobody is more dangerous out of any of the pass-catching running backs to take it to the house when they're healthy more than Chris Thompson. How much are you concerned about him coming back from a broken leg, though? It's not so much the broken leg. I just think that they're, they've realized that somebody that size, they don't want getting beat up as much as they did and potentially getting hurt again. And they drafted Darius Geis, who I think is going to dominate this backfield. Not that Chris Thompson is not going to get his own, but Chris Thompson falls into now for me, Theo Riddick, is that he's very explosive. And honestly, at this day today, as in what is July 2nd, 2018, Chris Thompson is better than Theo Riddick. But... The consistency on the touches week to week, I think, is going to be just as frustrating. Uh, if you look at this offense, it's struggled to convert inside the 10 and even inside the 5 yard line with running backs for the past how many seasons. They finally have an answer to that. So now you're looking at, again, Chris Thompson to be the theoretic, which is four or five catches per game. If he's scoring, it's probably more on his own from a good, a good amount of yards out from the end zone, which is all fine. I just think it's going to be very Theo Riddick-like in that it's going to be up and down as just as much as Riddick is. Yeah, I would say the difference between Riddick and Thompson is just I feel like Thompson can take it to the house on any play, and I just don't feel like that with Riddick. Uh, I was also talking about Naheem Hines, who Brandon Murchison in the exclusive edge package on rotoexperts.com entered the king at checkout for a special discount. He says this guy could be a poor man's... Uh, Poor man's Alvin Kamara and could be a committee approach there. And, you know, maybe they're very excited about about Himes and camp and about the multiple ways they can use him. 
Oh, absolutely. But uh, this is a backfield I'm not too thrilled about because I think all three of them are going to be in the mix. Marlon Mack from last year, as long as he's healthy, that's something to monitor because if he's not, if he's going to struggle to come back healthy, then I get a little bit more interested because now you're down to Wilkins and Hines. And Hines is a very explosive running back, very much in the mold of what we're talking about right now, the Chris Thompson's, the theoretics of what they can do on the field. But the fact is Jordan Wilkins is arguably the best all-around running back in that backfield. Not that I think he's going to dominate touches, but that's why if everybody's healthy as of today, I think all of them are going to be in the mix, all three of them, which is a true committee and a true frustration for fantasy owners. If one of them drops, then I get a little bit more excited. But as of today, if I own any of them, it's just going to end up being whoever's last in the draft. And right now, who's last in the draft is always Wilkins. It's not Hines. Hines has been going up almost around uh, Mac at this point. Yeah, interesting backfield to speculate on because it could end up being a true committee because Mack is the outside runner, Wilkins is the inside runner, Hines is the pass catcher. You know, do we know that Mack can be a goal line back? In fact, I know a guy you respect a lot is Mike Clay of ESPN. He thinks that Wilkins is his sleeper rookie running back for 2018. Yeah, he's been on Wilkins for a long time. and We don't always agree. I don't see as much potential as he does in Wilkins, but like I said, where I agree with him is if you're talking about the best all-around player, it is Wilkins. The problem that I have with it is that, well, now Turbin, his situation got cleared up. The problem before was Turbin was the better between the tackles runner. Well, he's at least gone. Hines is still the better pass catcher. And Mac arguably still has more loose. The problem with Mac is Mac tries to do too much every single play. If he would just take what's given sometimes, he could be so much better of a runner. And that's my concern, too, is if Mac figures his stuff out, I think he still ends up the lead of the three. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, uh, what kind of steps that him and Deontay Foreman can actually uh, take, take this year. Turbans is being suspended for the four games because of the PED violation. And, you know, now he falls behind in terms of, uh, you know, getting reps with all these other backs. You know, he's definitely their best goal line runner at 5'10", But did you realize that Robert Turbin, you know, who scored, who scored uh, seven touchdowns in 2016, he never scored a touchdown in three years in a Seattle Seahawks uniform or with the Browns and scored one in 2015 with Dallas before he broke out for the seven in 2016. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. The fact is, he was just a guy coming out of college. I mean, I don't understand what people got too much excited about because he like blipped on the radar for just a short while. <laughs> Actually, I did see it, though, when he played with the Seahawks. But Marshawn Lynch was healthy the whole time in the preseason. And, you know, in some certain flashes, he showed that if, you know, early in his career for the first three years, that if he got an opportunity, that, you know, there was some promise there. But I think he just sat and rotted on the bench for three years. And, uh, you know, three of his prime years kind of like faded away and he never got into a rhythm. Yeah, I think that just has to do more with playing next to Russell Wilson, and he was used in brief periods. It wasn't like he was leaning on in that backfield to be the, the real. No, he was never going to get the opportunity. And I don't think he would have done too much with it. Yeah, by the way, on the subject of the Seahawks, uh, I know uh, I know you had met Cam Chancellor recently, and uh, obviously you know I'm a big Cam Chancellor fan. Uh, very sad for him to announce his unofficial retirement on Twitter last night, Jake. 
Yeah, it's disappointing. It's definitely an, another blow to that defense as well. I think it'll still be a capable unit, but I mean, it's just they, they lost a lot of pieces. Uh, they still have Earl Thomas, but the biggest thing, like, just to go back to him in general, it's just it was great to see, especially someone from this area, and that's why you know, I, like I said, I met him at church down Jake here. Jake is Virginia, from Virginia, for those who don't know. Yeah, as I, as I was saying, Virginia Beach down here is a good amount of people that have come from here, and he's one of the better ones. And it was great to watch him play, and it's sad. I'm glad that he, you know, from after reading it, that he's taking these steps and he's not trying to force the issue because at this point, all you care about is somebody's long-term health and the fact that he's still having issues and concerns. You kind of want, you hope these people walk away at that point. Yeah, one of the most intimidating hitters and uh, kind of underrated in coverage that that we saw, you know, in re- in recent years. You know, was considered the best strong safety in football for like a good five-year period and was really yeah. the most physical guy within that legion of boom. I don't think anybody's ever going to forget his hit in Super Bowl forty-eight on Demarius Thomas that pretty much set the tone for that game. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Yes, so uh, we miss seeing him, but uh, the legion of boom is down to no legion, no of. It's just there's just a boom left without Earl Thomas, and I think that's why they don't want to get him, give him a new contract because – they gave an extension to Daryl Tom to, to Chancellor, and that's what happened. And the Seahawks are just not—they're uh, not big on canning out third extensions after uh, after Thomas already got something on his rookie contract. Oh yeah, and it's kind of like a team philosophy type of thing, I guess. You you know a little bit more than that than I do. <laughs> yeah, well, it's very difficult, precarious situation because. Thomas is the best free safety in football and, you know, is still playing really well, but I don't think they want to give him another three years either. Uh, but, yeah, but back to uh, back to fantasy football, and I was talking about Jarek McKinnon, and there's all this excitement, and I'm seeing him rank, rank top 10, top 12, something like that, but I was talking about the 49ers and how momentum doesn't carry over from one year to the next, and also just like how increased opportunity doesn't necessarily mean re- lead to increased production. This guy's 5'9", 205. Can he really take the banging and, and pounding of being that every-down workhorse kind of guy as a runner and receiver? And we've near, really never really seen Jarek McKinnon be a starter over an extensive period. There's a part of me that's really skeptical and wonder if I'm expecting too much when I've seen some analysts predict 1,800 total yards. Who, for McKinnon? Yeah. Sorry, part of the, the, you went out on my end a little bit there, so I missed part of the thing. Uh, no, McKinnon is ar- arguably the most overdrafted and overrated player for me for 2018 because the fact is Jarek McKinnon is just not equipped to what people want him to be. They see the signing, they see him with Shanahan, they see like, oh, look at all his potential, and they don't realize he was actually quite inefficient. Uh, I just wrote it up yesterday, so let me, if you give me a second, Scott, I want to pull up the numbers so I, I give you the exact numbers instead of just throwing yeah, them I, off I the went down his whole game log from last year, too, and, you know, outside of that Cleveland game, there was nothing that was overly impressive. No, so for the past two seasons, he's 37th in yards per carry, and he's below average on pro football focus on elusive ratings. So if you give him those two things, which those are supposed to be he's great at, and he's not very good after contact, 
giving him more touches isn't going to fix that. And the thing I compared it to, Scott, and the thing I've been comparing Jarek McKinnon to the entire offseason is Lamar Miller when he was with the Dolphins. As you remember, everybody was, oh, give Lamar Miller more touches. He's so good. Give him more touches. And he got more touches. And what happened, Scott? He became less efficient. He was still getting around the same level of production, but on more touches. So he was less efficient as a player. And I think that's what's going to happen with Jarek McKinnon. Maybe Shanahan's as smart as the, the Dolphins were with Lamar Miller, and he settles into that 14 to 18 touch per range game. But at that point, he's a great mid-level RB2. He's not what you're, like you said, those people out there that thinking he's got 15, 16, 1,800 yards in his pocket. He's going to be a fringe RB1. And drafting him in the second round, that's where people are making mistakes. Yeah, I think so, too. It, look, I saw him. He had to start last year in place of Dalvin Cook for an extensive stretch. But, you know, always sharing with Latavius Murray. When I first saw him get his chance to start uh, a few years ago in place of Adrian Peterson, he was a really hot pickup, I remember. And he totally disappointed. He could not run inside whatsoever. Last year, I think the inside running improved. And there was more versatility and there was more explosiveness. But this was not a guy who struck me as somebody could do it as the number one. You know, you still had Latavius Murray there, too, banging between the tackles. Yeah, and I think people forget there's still this guy, you know, Matt Breida, who looked pretty good at times last year. And then remember Joe Williams and, oh, he gets Shanahan banged the table for him in the draft and all that. Look, one of those two guys is going to be in the mix, most likely Breida, to be what you're saying right now, is the guy who can get between the tackles for his short yards, especially at the goal line. And the biggest thing is if you're looking at McKinnon, and you're concerned about the goal line and the touches, you might be looking at, uh, I'm trying to think, somebody, a Lamar Miller-type season. You might be looking at around 900, 1,000 rushing yards, another three to 400 receiving, but only three touchdowns rushing, and that's going to hurt his value. Yeah, he doesn't strike me at a goal line back as 5'9", uh, as 205. No, not at all. I mean, look at like last year. I just pulled it up. Lamar Miller ran for 888 yards, which even if let's say let's give McKinnon an extra hundred, let's just do it for argument's sake. So 883 yards, we give it 988. Three rushing touchdowns, 36 receptions, 327 yards, and three touchdowns. If you give him those extra hundred yards, that still brings him up to RB 13 on the year, and that's a pretty daggone good season for what we're talking about yeah. here. So at best case scenario, like giving him the positives, he's still fringe RB1. Yet, as you said, people want to draft him in the second round, and that's you're drafting him ahead of guys. Like I've seen him going in front of Deontay, uh, Deontay Freeman, Jordan Howard. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's a couple of those kind of guys. I saw him go in front of LaShawn McCoy in one draft. Wow. Now, a lot of people are down on McCoy. You know, he's banged up. He's... Yeah, he's got a lot of tread on his tires, as the old cliche goes. Sometimes there's sometimes nothing better than an old cliche to describe something yeah. as much as I can't stand it. Uh, but but the he's guy not is offense. Also, it's gonna, he, is, he is the offense, but then again, defenses could probably sick 11 guys on him. Yeah, but at the same time, you, you you love to say that, Scott, how everybody always loves to say, like on the reverse side, you, you always tell people, you always love to say, stack the box, and don't realize it's a lot harder to you know do that than to just sit there and say that as an NFL team. 
Like as much issues as they have with the quarterback position, whether it's McCarron, Allen, or maybe even Peterman, they still have Calvin Benjamin. They still have Zay Jones in his second year and Andre Holmes. And they have some players. And the fact is all teams have some talent. I don't know if I'd mention Andre Holmes there, but go ahead. I'm just saying like they have some, (laughs) but to your point, let's go back to Adrian Peterson with the Vikings for years. The Vikings had Adrian Peterson and nothing else. And I'm not saying LaShawn McCoy is as strong as Adrian Peterson is between the tackles. But at the same time, LaShawn McCoy can handle it more than most people can. He's, he's one of the best running backs still in the NFL. Yeah, from a pure talent perspective, you know, I, I certainly agree. And I, I think Jordan Howard, you know, you might see his numbers skew differently this year where I think the offense is going to improve. And uh, you know, you'll see a lot more Tariq Cohen, but Jordan Howard will still be viable as I think their number one goal line back. Who would you take between Howard and McKinnon? Uh, I take Howard every single time. Every time. Yeah. The fact is, and Jordan after, Howard. And, go ahead. I would say after like the top 11 or so running backs, you're really getting into very dicey territory. In my ranks on rotoexperts.com right now, I have, uh, I have Rashad Penny number number 15 overall, but uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm not sure that you know, I want to keep him there. I think they'd like... Darius Geis might actually be the most productive rookie running back outside of Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I like them both. I've got a ton of Penny and Geis on my team so far. The thing with Jordan Howard is he's actually performed significantly better out of the shotgun, and the team is going to run a lot more shotgun this year. So people think it just assumes it's going to only help Cohen, but it's going to help Howard too. And I was talking standard ranks for your benefit, actually, right. in the PPR ranks. I knew, but I, I, have, I was referring I have, to both. <laughs> I have Ronald Jones ranked as my best uh, rookie running back outside of Saquon Barkley because there's going to be so much opportunity. And in Seattle, you may see still see some of Chris Carson. It's got to be earned under Pete Carroll. All right, we'll be talking more fantasy football next with Jake, Jake Seeley. We'll have to change the music because he doesn't like this devil music. You know, some people would think that about heavy metal, but I don't I don't think it's true. More fantasy football talk next on the Roto Experts. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to the Roto Experts. I am Scott Engel, the managing director of RotoExperts.com. I am the king. I am fantasy. And he is the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. Jake, for those who may not know, how did you get the name all-in kid? Uh, it's from poker. It's from back in the day when I first started playing Everybody always thinks, like, when you're new to playing Texas Hold'em, what's the best move, whether you have cards or whether you don't, and you're, you know, if you're bluffing or if you're actually really have a big hand, you go all in. And I just, we were having a day-long tournament, and I did it a whole bunch of times, and I was still new to playing, and one of the people sitting there just went, damn, all in, kid. And that's where it went, and it just stuck about 20 years ago now. Okay. You don't, you still playing poker? Yeah. We play yeah. a good amount. We play almost almost every UFC, well, all the ones that we think are worthy of buying. Almost every UFC fight, we'll have a game, and I still play regularly too. All right, that's where it came from. 
Have you ever considered re- retuning yourself to having a, a fantasy football nick- nickname, though? No, because I'm not going to give myself a nickname. So that's, okay. that's what it is. You can't you can't give yourself a nickname. So no nobody, nobody else, else has... ever gave nobody else ever gave you one that stuck. Mm, never really had a nickname outside of that. No. Yeah, some people say be a, the self-proclaimed king. It's like that's not true. You know, my ori- original producer during the first year of the Roto Experts in the morning on satellite radio, uh, Mike Demergis, coined me the king. Uh, based on the old history of the world, Mel Brooks movie. He, uh, he just started calling me the king. And whenever he would introduce me in the morning, he would play the, the sound clip. It's good to be the king from History of the World Part 1, which I don't know if you've seen or not. That's older movie. No, but I know the clip. Only because it was yeah, played a thousand times on Roto Experts. <laughs> oh, yeah, it did. Uh, we, we, we took something old and we made it current for a little while there. Uh, talking some fantasy football here this morning. Take your calls at 844-843-6879. Let's go to our friend Kenny from Philadelphia. Kenny, how you doing, cowboy? How you doing, boy? What's going on there, cowboy? How you doing, man? Uh, first and foremost, what a race. I absolutely love Rowdy. <laughs> Kyle Bush is oh, Kyle Bush, one. yeah. Uh, yeah, that was well, a very that was a very funny postscript yesterday. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, wasn't Larson? Larson played it like a gentleman as well. He knew what the situation was and he knew what happened or whatever. So that's all good. I mean, as you know, I had a. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Kyle Busch in a very exciting finish in Chicago land uh, nipped uh, Kyle Larson to win yesterday for the fifth time uh, this cup this cup season. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, all right, on to the football. Um, oh, congratulations on your uh, – I saw you won a tournament over the weekend too. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Xfinity, yeah. It, it, it was much appreciated. Larson ran that top line, and the Xfinity pretty much won it. Him and Nicole Custer for me. So, yeah, that was definitely uh, uh, fun. On to, the, uh, on to the football. I'm glad you guys mentioned uh, the Matt Breida is still there in San Francisco because I'm not high on I'm a McKinnon at all. Even when he was in Minnesota, I mean, he – he wasn't running through the tackle. That was that one year that uh, Matt Astiata had three touchdowns in one game. So, I mean, I'm definitely off of him. I, I would like you guys to touch on the uh, whole Denver running back uh, uh, situation. I mean, I'm just not up cue on these on these standout rookies. I know we had a, we had a couple standouts, Kareem Hunt, of course, uh, um, um, Kamara. I'm, I'm just not upbeat on these wide receivers or, 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 uh, or running backs that are coming out out of rookies for this year that I should be maybe targeting later in the draft. You guys could touch on that. Yeah, first to your point about, point about McKinnon, Kenny, is uh, he improved more as an inside runner last year, but I'm still not sold. Uh, in terms of Denver, Royce Freeman is that hot rookie. He hits the hole very hard and very fast. Uh, you got Devontae Booker, who m- might have his last chance here. He could disappear in obscurity, but uh, nobody nobody gets hotter on fantasy football rookie running backs than I know than Jake Seeley. Where do you have uh, where do you have Freeman ranked in your ranks in the exclusive edge fantasy football package on RotoExperts.com, Jake? And what's your outlook for this Denver backfield? 
Yeah, he's a high-end RB3. He's just outside of the RB2 conversation, only because I don't think Devontae Booker is going to lose the pass-catching option in that backfield, and that's really what you're looking at here. Royce Freeman is going to lead the backfield. You said it, Scott. He's powerful. He's going to not only be the short yards, but he'll get a good 15 to 20 carries per game. He's just not going to see a lot of use in the passing game, if at all. That's the issue there. It's similar, if you think fancy-wise, to like Alfred Morris back in the day. Alfred Morris was an RB1 with no pass-catching, but he was also rushing for 1,400 yards, and that's the downfall for Freeman. He's not going to get that high. I think Freeman can easily get around 1,000 rushing yards, but Devontae Booker is going to take the majority of the pass-catching options away from him. So, like I said, that's what makes him a fringe RB2, and he takes a little bit of a hit in PPR, but I think he's going to be the lead in that backfield. He's a great RB3 for teams. Right. Sounds good, fellas. All right, man. I'll be listening, guys. All right, Kenny. Thanks a lot. 844-843-6879 for all your fantasy football questions. 844-843-6879. You had something you wanted to add there, Jake? No, I was going to say you added the extra 844 there. <laughs> okay, 844-843-6879. Okay, uh, another feature that's very interesting in the exclusive Edge package and enter the king at checkout for a special discount on Roto Experts is uh, the... The projected depth chart battles by Frank Stample of the Best Friends Forever. You can listen to him every afternoon right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, along with Greg Sussman and another friend to be determined. And uh, he breaks it down in NFC and AFC. And when looking at the Dallas Cowboys, the wide receiver situation is so bad that I joke with Corey on Friday on the uh, frenzy that Tavon Austin might be their best wide receiver. Alan Hearns, probably their best wide receiver. Well, what's us to make think that Alan Hearns can stand up to A, be facing top-tower corners when, uh, when teams play man-to-man, or even when they play zone, that he can consistently find the soft spots in a zone if they roll coverage to his side. He, he's probably the most talented wide receiver they have, but, you know, is Alan Hearns even like a, an NFL wide receiver too? And then you have Terrence Williams, who just at this point we all know he's very, very inconsistent. Michael Gallup runs from nice yards and nice routes for a young guy and has some yards after the catch ability. Uh, but, you know, as a rookie, especially if he's going to get a lot of defensive attention, how much of an impact could he make? Uh, Tavon Austin, they bring over more as a gadget running back. Cole Beasley, I think, can be a decent wide receiver three in a PPR because Dak Prescott's very familiar with him, and they had a fine season with each other two years ago. And then maybe a sleeper type. We've seen Deontay Thompson flashes a deep receiver both in Buffalo and Kansas City. But this is very, a very, very uncertain situation where it's going to have to come down to who does Dak Prescott regularly start connecting with in camp. And that's, it, that's going to be the guy, I think, that you want to draft. But we really don't know who it is. It might be Beasley. It could be somebody else. But none of these, none of these guys are going to scare any defenses. You know, this team's going to have to lean heavily on the run, and this could lead to even more receptions out of the backfield for Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, that's a definite possibility, and the fact is Alan Hearns is a number two in real life. He's not equipped to be a number one. Uh, you, can't, you said it with Terrence Williams, and I've joked about it before. This team seems hell-bent on trying to make Terrence Williams a thing, but he's just not, and the fact is he's just not equipped to be. So similar to Alan Hearns, maybe he could be a great number two in real life, 
but he's not a number one. This team doesn't have a true number one. The only person on this team that has the talent to become that is Gallup, but Gallup is raw. Like I don't even on the on a team that is as desperate as the Cowboys are for talent, I still don't see him making a significant impact to the second half of the season because I still think he needs time to continue to develop. I think it's asking a lot of Gallup to step in from day one and do much and not struggle, especially when you're talking about NFL secondaries and NFL corners compared to what he was seeing in college. I think he needs some more time. If you're in a deep league and want to do one of those draft and stash and hold on to Gallup for the second and half. I have no problem with that. Or let somebody else draft him, drop him because he doesn't do much for the first few weeks and then go pick him up around week six or seven. That's when I think Gallup could have some impact. But out of the gate, the only the only receiver I'm drafting on this team is Alan Hearns, and that's only in the 13th or 14th round as a like fifth or sixth wide receiver because at that point, there's no risk. If he has a decent season, he ends up being a wide receiver three, and that's, I think, the best-case scenario, Scott. Uh, you know, okay, that's fine. If he doesn't, uh, I dropped him. It was a 13th, 14th round pick, but I'm with you. Is I think it, we could actually – the part that people aren't looking for here is twofold. Is one is Cole Beasley could easily lead this team in receptions and yards. That wouldn't surprise me. And then two is seeing Ezekiel Elliott taking that next step forward into 40-plus receptions and being, you know, not quite Le'Veon Bell, but in that conversation – maybe getting to the Todd Gurley conversation. Yeah, well – to me, I'm at number three today in the in the FNTSY mock, and it, to me, it comes down to David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, or Antonio Brown. Now, again, you never know what can happen with the two picks ahead of me. You can't fully predict that, but if Bell and if Bell and Gurley go one two, I'm faced with knowing what David Johnson can do uh, versus knowing what you know, speculating what Ezekiel Elliott can do but then finally knowing what I am getting in Antonio Brown. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're looking at, too, David Johnson is very appealing there because uh, we know what he can do and we know what he still could do. Like, he still has more to offer, and I think that's the intriguing part about David Johnson. Ezekiel honestly has the best floor. Uh, like uh, Antonio yeah. Brown, I, I'm talking about the running backs. Antonio Brown's obvious when it comes, I'm just talking about running backs, period, running backs. Because if you look at him, outside of Le'Veon Bell, and you look at his career, every single game he scored double-digit fantasy points in PPR outside the one he left early. And if you look at also that, the only game he scored less than 14 double-digit fantasy points was his first game of his career. And he still scored a touchdown in that game against the Giants. So I, I think that people are underrating how safe he is even in PPR. And then, to your point, what we started this whole conversation with is if he sees more passes and opportunities this year because they need him, the floor is only going to get higher. Yeah, that's true. You've got to like all three of those picks, Johnson, Elliott, Brown. Uh, but I, I don't think I could take Brown because when you get an opportunity to get one of those five superstar running backs, I think you can't pass on it. It's just it's too much of a difference between anything else. But back to the Cowboys, though, do you think Deontay Thompson maybe has some uh, has some deep sleeper appeal as a deep threat? No, not unless I mean, he needs to win a job. I mean, I'm not I'm not looking at Deontay Thompson anything more than he's been for his entire career now. So, like, oh look, he showed up and helped me one week in DFS or something like that. But you know, if Terrence Williams continues his, maybe they, you know, that, maybe they're finally done with Terrence Williams and stop screwing around with him, and then maybe Deion T- Thompson sneaks into a starting role. That's the only case. I mean, as things stand right now, I don't, I don't really see it. 
Want to know my super deep sleep, super sleeper at wide receiver, although I'm also thinking Deontay Thompson. You look at the Seahawks, Bryce Butler's not there anymore. they They got rid of Jimmy Graham, right? They only have one guy now to really, like, knock it in near the red zone, and that's Penny. But what receiver do they have? Have you noticed that Tanner McElvoy checks in at 6'5", 230? Has anybody noticed that? Yeah, I know how big he is. I also know that, I mean, that's in, intriguing. I know how big he is. I also know that he's uh, very, he's not adept at uh, running routes. So, I mean, if that's all you're asking him to he's be, some the deep, he's got some deep speed, too. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. So, if, you know, I could, I'm not saying, look, we've seen crazier I'm saying things. super deep sleeper here. Right, you know, right. That's what I'm saying. But there's no. a potential there. Yeah, it could happen. I mean, he needs somebody to throw it to, yeah. although at the same time, Russell Wilson doesn't have to th- – we know that. You know that. He doesn't have to throw 30-plus touchdowns for this team to be great. No, but, you know, he threw 10 to Jimmy Graham last year in the red zone. Look, it's very Nando DeFindo to, you know, to point out a guy like this. But, uh, hey, you know. Well, Nando, Nando also things. wants a backstory. Yeah. Does he have a good backstory? Does he, has he come from, like, a, like a, you know, a tough neighborhood? He's and, from New Jersey. Yeah. He's from New Jersey. Well, that's very possible then. Is that good enough? I don't know. Is this, his, is this his uncle a scout for one of the teams in the NFL, too, or something like that? Oh, you're looking for one of those kind of stories, huh? Yeah, yeah. Nando, that's the, that's the stuff. That's the type that of stuff I'm aware Nando of, loves. but, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, a home, he's a homeboy. You know, it's, uh, he's from, from Hillsdale, New Jersey. Yeah, that's good enough. That's definitely good enough yeah. from Nando. Went, went to the University of Wisconsin, uh... Also played at Arizona Western and the University of South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't add much. There's nothing else in his personal profile, though, that makes it non-Dewish. But I would be shocked to see Tanner McAvoy catch four to six touchdown passes. Yeah, that, I, you know, I like I said. Red zone threat. Um, it's, it's super deep, like you said. I mean, you're talking best balls and stuff like that. I would, I would take a flyer yeah. on Yeah. Yeah. 20-team league, you know, something like that. Uh, but, you know, we, we do have those. So, uh, you know, and then that, you know, when you're talking getting to best ball, like how deep do you get in those? Like what the amount of rounds is incredible, right? It's normally. Like in NFFC? Uh, it's, I think most average is either 22 or 26. I prefer the 26. Yeah, when you're talking 26 round, you know, that's the kind of name you want to hear. Deontay I actually don't, Thompson, Tanner I, I don't McElroy. like the. I don't like the 22. I don't know why they do that. I, I hate the 22 is because you kind of like, there's still plenty of talent out there and you're also left with possibly only having two defenses or two tight ends or two quarter. Like best ball. I, I always want three of each just because of injuries. You're not, you're not touching the team for the rest of the year. Why are we cutting it off at 22 rounds? Like, what's the point? I don't know. I didn't create it. Anyhow, back to the Cowboys. You know who did? Though, and Who? Yeah, I thought you knew. You should know who he just hit. He's in the Hall of Fame this year. Emil Kadic, Kadlik, Kadlik. Emil Kadlik. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's actually he was the one that created best best ball from pro football. Or for, I was about to say the wrong team too. So the football, he's, he's football, deserved football, to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they put out nine magazines every year, all with different titles. Close, close. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit. Uh, Not that much, but but as uh, the spitting statistician would say, I digress. And, uh, you know, get back to the – but no, names like Deontay Thompson and Tanner McAvoy is like you want to know in those very, very deep leagues. They're super sleepers. But back to the Cowboys. And, 
you know, to me, it's just befuddling that they got rid of Des Bryant and they really didn't replace him with anybody here. And, you know, to me, that goes back to management. It goes to ownership. And, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, to me, ever since Jimmy Johnson left, they, you know, Jerry Jones has had his, his meddling hands in every player personnel decision, and he's not a football guy. That team has won three playoff games since they last won a Super Bowl. Jason Garrett's on the hot seat. They won one playoff game under Jason Garrett, and they beat the Lions. Does that even count? Mm, no, not really. Not that much. No. Uh, so the fact, the fact is, I you know, the longer we go here, Scott, I honestly think the possibility of him going back, Des Bryant going back to the Cowboys, is increasing by the day. I still don't think it's likely. I just think we went from a zero percent chance to it keeps increasing the longer we wait here. Because if you look at the number of teams that are out there that need him, you're probably counting on one, maybe two hands, and then the ones that could actually find a spot or their salary room for him is a whole other bar. And like you have teams that want to move forward with the talent they have or the talent they drafted. So at this point, he kind of needs an injury somewhere or a team that's set up like the Cowboys. So, you know, I'm sure he feels scorned and, all that type of stuff at the same time. A job is a job, and I, I, he's playing. For, Des Bryant is playing in the NFL in 2018. As like I said, as the days go by, the less I think it would be a surprise that if he ends up back with the Cowboys. Wouldn't be a shock to me, but it seems like they're committed and to not doing it. I just think Dallas Cowboy management over the last two decades had there's been a lot of poor decision making there, and you know, to me, there are three franchises that are really marked as, like, these cornerstone franchises of the NFL. And they, they haven't been since the 1990s, and in some cases before. To me, you know, the Cowboys, Raiders, and 49ers are all has-been franchises. And I, the Raiders and the 49ers don't get that kind of respect anymore, but I don't understand why the Dallas Cowboys, you know, are still treated as, like, this glitz team, you know, and they haven't been good since the mid-'90s. Yeah, that's that's yeah. You talk to Corey Parson too much. That's why. I think no, most. I think you know, most I'm people. A, no, I was gonna say. I think football. most people realize. I it. see it all over my Facebook with all these cowboy fans. Oh well, you spend too much time on Facebook then. I guess so. Maybe I should stop <laughs> that, right? Yeah, but I, 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 the Raiders. You know, everybody's excited about what they. You know, the Raiders. They haven't been good since two thousand two. I think it was. Is that when he went to the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay? Mm, I think so. Sounds. I don't think right. the Ra- I don't think the Ravens get enough credit for, you know, all the success they've had since they've launched. I, they've I remember. Trust me, I remember the Super Bowl against the Giants. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that team has been a consistent contender with good ownership. But anyway, I digress, as he would say. So you want to check out, you know, the positional battles uh, from the exclusive Edge package. From uh, from Frank Stanfield on RotoExperts.com, he breaks them down into AFC and N- NFC depth chart battles. Uh, he goes very in depth on s- some of these uh, some of these top competitions, and he's going to be updating them throughout the preseason. So I, I find them very compelling, find them very interesting. Uh, like I said, uh, he goes over a few backfields here. And he talks about the Patriots running back situation. I know how you feel about this, Jake. Uh, Sony Michelle versus Rex Burkhead 
versus James White. James White is going to be the pass receiving back, people think, but that might also it could be Burkhead at the goal line, or maybe Michelle is the first guy since Corey Dillon where Belichick says, hey, you know, maybe he can become our lead ball carrier. Yeah, I see. But the fact was, Deion Lewis down the stretch still was the lead ball carrier last year. Uh, just the fact is, it has nothing to do with the end result, but similar to what we are talking about in the first hour with some of these players, Sonny Michel, I think, will finish the year with RB2 numbers. But getting to that point is going to be frustrating, and that's the fact of the Patriots. You know, Yes, it was a long time ago, and you could say it was even a different NFL at the time, but the last time they drafted a running back in the first round was Lawrence Baroni. He had zero starts that year. They drafted him in the first round. Just because the Patriots have now drafted somebody and put the draft capital on a running back doesn't mean they're going to change who the Patriots are. And who the Patriots are is every single week, depending on their matchup, they're going to exploit you the best way they can. A lot of times it will be Sony Michelle, but there will be some games where it is a lot of James White, where it is a lot of Rex Burkhead, who people are forgetting is quite talented, even in short yards and in the red zone. Whoever it doesn't get cut out of Jeremy Hill or Mike Gillisley could get a lot of short yard touchdowns and frustrate everybody by stealing five or six on the season. So it's not that I don't want Sony Michelle. I actually drafted Sony Michelle on my team as my RB3. That's where I'll take Michelle because that's where I can live with the theoreticness of him. And theoretic in PPR is up and down, up and down, up and down. I don't want Michelle as my number two, and that's my problem, Scott. It's not the Patriots. It's not Michelle. I love his talent. It's that I don't want that as my RB2 because I don't want my RB2 to be 5-15-5-15-5-15 all year. I want consistency. What do you think of Rex Burkhead and Standard? You know, they're talking about him being the goal line back. Uh, see, it, I, it's more so this is the Patriots again. He's fine. He's somebody else that I'll take as my RB4 as a bench running back just in case things break differently and maybe James White gets hurt. Maybe Sonny Michelle gets hurt because there's a ton of value here for anybody in this backfield, especially if they drop one or two of their options. But as in ever being a starter, I don't, I don't want him to ever be my starter unless I have to. He, but like I said, RB4 where I've put him in some bye weeks, yeah, I definitely would do that. Yeah, I, I just wonder if like they finally want to stay stabilize the backfield here, but then then again you can never trust uh Bill Belichick. When have they sure. ever? <laughs> yeah. Carlos Hyde versus Nick Chubb. Kinda of surprised me that they drafted Chubb after they they uh signed Hyde, but as we've seen in the past, like Hyde can be a real tenacious runner, but he often gets hurt, although we didn't see it last year. We could be looking at a complete committee backfield here because let's remember that, of course, that these coaches, they don't uh, worry about their fantasy teams when, they, when they're putting things together. And if they have two running backs and maybe three that can uh, keep defenses off balance because they have different running styles, then they're really challenging the defense. Yeah, see, this is the situation where I compare this backfield to what we dealt with last year with the Vikings. Is you said you're not sure why they drafted Chubb. Well, it's very similar to the Vikings went out and signed Latavius Murray. Granted, now I'll, I do. Uh, I'll say this a million times already. Carlos Hyde is better than Latavius Murray. 
I know that. I was a fan of Carlos Hyde coming out of college. There's no question there. But I'm just drawing a parallel here in the fact that everybody said, I'm not sure I want to draft Dalvin Cook because they spent all that Meridian and Latavius Murray, so what does that mean? And I kept saying, it means nothing. You have a talent like Dalvin Cook that fell to you in the draft. The Vikings had to prepare for the season as not knowing what's going to happen in the draft. If Dalvin Cook's not there and they don't draft a running back till round five, they could have turned to Latavius Murray as their lead, which ended up happening anyway because of the injury. But they get Dalvin Cook, and this far superior player and talent gets the touches. Now let's go to the Browns. Again, Carlos Hyde is better. But you know who's better than Carlos Hyde? Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is the better talent. He's the, he's, he, he was on the Todd Gurley path in college before he got hurt. He's come back from that injury. He's about 90, 95% of what he used to be. I think that he's not going to be Dalvin Cook. He's not going to get 20 touches per game because Carlos Hyde's not just going to get pushed aside after signing him completely and being a better talent. But if you're telling me the second half of the season, all of a sudden Nick Chubb is getting 15, 20 touches per game and leading that backfield, I would not be shocked at all. I am drafting Nick Chubb as he is a draft and stash RB4 for my team. So they could, they'll let Carlos Hyde rock ways like a four to seven carry a game back? I think that's a very likely scenario. You know what, Jake? With all due respect, though, I, I've seen over the years you tend to be a little bit higher on rookie running backs than most. And I'm usually right more than most. Uh, well, you know, nobody's right all the time, Jake. I never said I was 100%. I'm just I'm more right than most everybody else. Okay. Uh, Jake, the egomaniac, Sealy. Maybe no, I'm just being truthful. Ask, ask all the people that are thanking me about David Johnson and Dalvin Cook and Kareem Hunt and all the You know all the what? Rest. I got I to gotta say that's true, you know, because you know, we do advertise your great rankings as part of the exclusive Edge Fantasy football package. Enter the king yeah. at checkout for a special discount. Uh, I'm not quite as high on Chubb and Penny as you are, though. Yeah, I think I think you'll be pleasantly surprised when it comes to your Seahawks and Penny. I just don't think anything is a given when it comes to Pete Carroll and a healthy Chris Carson. Uh, you know, I think I think uh, I think he might have something to say about it. Yeah, and I think he's going to go with the talent, though. And Emory Hunt loves him. That always helps. You should, you like Emory Hunt? He loves that boy. Talent doesn't always win out. I know you know you say that, but talent doesn't always win out. Didn't win out with Monty Ball. Didn't win out with guys like Bishop Sankey. No, so Monty Ball was uh, Monty Ball was overrated. That's the problem. Didn't I? Th- I I definitely overrated him. That was for sure. And it didn't. We all didn't. did. Yeah, I, I thought he was an end of the first round pick. But then again, I'm not always right either. I guess I'm not the all in kid. All right, more fantasy football positional battles coming up here on the Roto Experts on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Join the family at... Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 
The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day. Never saw Saturday Night Fever? No. Wow. The Bee Gees, How Deep Is Your Love? Probably my favorite ballad of all time. Really? Yeah. Some people would be surprised about that, seeing that Kiss had Beth, but uh, what's your favorite ballad of all time? Mm, I don't really have one. The Ballad of Jake Seeley's Rankings. Maybe we'll no, I don't really have one ballads day. that I enjoy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but are sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. Just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag and the promo code FNTSY upon sign-up and choose your matchups using the prop builder too. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. Scott Engel and uh, Jake Steely here talking fantasy football. We'll take your calls at any time at 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-6879. Talking about uh, positional battles, depth chart battles to watch in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package on RotoExperts.com from Frank Stanford, from Frank Stample. Uh, I don't think he ever went Frank to Stanford. Stanford. And of course, he he talks he talks about the Colts running back situation, the Denver running back situation. And he talks about that has been franchise that uh, that I was mentioning: Marshawn Lynch versus Doug Martin versus Jalen Rashard versus DeAndre Washington. And Marshawn Lynch is now 32 years old. Uh, Pisa has been. Doug Martin was and never was. And you know, here's here's a, an opportunity for Lynch to keep his career going, or for Martin to resur- resurrect it. I really, I really don't, uh, you know, believe in either one of these guys, to be honest with you. And this could just become like a like a confusing committee sort of situation here that is just going to drive fantasy owners crazy. Uh, early last season, Lynch looked like he was definitely over the hill. And last year he did score seven touchdowns, and he he ended up with eight hundred ninety-one yards. You know, that's not horrible. Uh, you know, last year in Week Seventeen against the Chargers, he rushed for one hundred one yards, and he went rushed for ninety-five in Week Sixteen against uh, the World Champion Philadelphia Eagles, and seven seventy-six against the Cowboys. But he also didn't score in those final three games. Uh, look, Marshawn Lynch is not done. He's still got a little sprinkle. You know, in, in his step, and uh, 
you know, he's still physical, but to me, he's no different than what I saw with the Seahawks in in his final season with them for a half a year. He's just, he's not what he used to be. But then again, Doug Martin is, he's already not what he used to be either. Do we want any part of any of these running backs? Uh, I actually do. I actually, I think that there's more, I, I think you're kind of discounting what Marshawn Lynch did in the second half. Honestly, I don't think he's what he was with the Seahawks, but I think if you look at the first half for a guy that was a year off from football, it took him some time to get his feet back under him. And you mentioned the second half, and yeah, he didn't score a touchdown the last three weeks, but you know what he did in the second half of the season? He averaged 4.6 yards per carry with this team. Mm-hmm. He still had enough left for me to see the fact that he had 200-yard rushing games, uh, he almost got to 100 against the Eagles. So if you're looking at it, I'm not excited. I'm not like, oh, my God, I have to have Marshawn Lynch. I think the talk, though, of Doug Martin pushing him, is that's, I think, noise. I don't believe that at all. And I think Marshawn Lynch could be a perfectly fine RB2 in non-PPR and a flex-level running back in PPR. And for that, where he's going in drafts, you don't have to pay that price. And that's why I'm on Marshawn Lynch is because – Everybody's kind of looking at you, like what kind of we're saying, is looking at you last year as a whole and looking at last year and saying, eh, he didn't really do much last year as a whole. You know, he's only 891 yards. But even if you took the entire season, it was 4.3 yards per carry. But again, I go like that second half of the season where he really turned things up. And he had at least about 57 yards in every single game, 60 in every game after that. Uh, I think that Marshawn Lynch could, like I said, I'll take him as a number two in in non-PPR, and I'll take him as a three in PPR. So you basically, you're telling me that Lamar, that uh, Marshawn Lynch is the new Frank Gore here, where, you know, you used to draft Frank Gore in the eighth round the last few years, and, you know, you're kind of happy at the end, even though there's no upside, because there is no upside with Marshawn Lynch. I think there is upside. That's the upside, as you said, even in a down year, coming back from not playing football, he scored seven touchdowns and averaged 4.3 yards a carry and averaged 4.6 in the second half. I think he's, def- I think he's better than Frank Gore because Frank Gore, the reason Frank Gore had fantasy value is because he just played 16 games. I think, I think Lynch has a little bit more than Frank Gore does from even the last two years. But he's only, what, 32, 31, 32. So 32. he just turned that's 32. Old, that's old for a running back, though. That's all for a running back. Also, like took an entire year off from football, and the year before that, only played half of a season. And again, don't get me wrong, Scott. I'm not telling people to get excited about Marshawn Lynch, but again, you don't have to pay the price of what Marshawn Lynch could bring you. Marshawn Lynch is going in the seventh and eighth round. If you're getting an RB two, even if it's a fringe RB two in non PPR or RB three in PPR in the seventh eighth round, that's value. All right, fair enough. Uh, I don't think there's any upside with him. I'm saying, you know, he's not going to get any better than I think he was last year. I think there's a slight improvement, but it's not. I mean, it's, even you, if, you're also just, talking about an, you're talking about another year of hits, and you know he's been in the league for a while. No, so I was going to say, but let's say, like, look, last year he was an RB two. He's exactly what he's saying. He was 21 in non PPR, and he was where was he? He was a little bit lower in PPR. So let's go to find where he was. 23. He was still an RB two in PPR. Even if he doesn't improve, even if let's just say he doesn't improve and running backs pass him, as probably some of them should, including some of the rookie, r- rookies, and you push him down to RB25 through 30, to your point, he doesn't have much room to do much more than he did last year. That's still disrespect for where he's going to draft. He's not being drafted as the 25th running back, the 30th running back off the board. He's going like 35 to 40. People just don't yeah, want I have, him. I have, that's why I'll take I him. Have, I have him ranked at number 30. 
That's a fair spot. I'm a little bit more, you know, a positive, basically in non-PPR, but that's a fair spot. That's value. That's an RB3. That's, that, that's in PPR. And that's, see, I mean, that's, that's valuable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not ranking ahead of Marlon Mack, Sony Michelle, Royce Freeman, who I have ahead of him. No, I want to rank I think it's hard for me to get him in the top 25. Uh, you know, I have a I 32. I Mac. You know, I have a 32. I think Mac's got more upside if he can, you know, start to run inside. It's more explosive. But uh, at 32, are we underrating LeGarrette Blunt? Because you look at him last year, only 766 yards and two touchdowns. But now he goes to a team. He's 31 years old. He does, he does have a lot of tread on his tires. It's night, night season. But... This is a team, the Detroit Lions, that have been desperate for a running game for so long, and they've never had anybody since Calvin Johnson retired retired to really punch it in near the goal line. Are we underrating LeGarrette Blount? Could he could be, be a real value this year? Because we know that Matthew Stafford and this team can move the ball, but you know who do they really have outside of Marvin Jones that they can turn to in the red zone? And we don't even know if we can do that consistently. Uh, when they get near the stripe, they haven't had anybody to punch it in. I don't know if Carryon Johnson's going to be that guy either. You know, can Legarrette Blunt maybe score eight, nine touchdowns for the Detroit Lions this year? No, we're not underrating him, and no, he's not going to do that. They they signed him to find to, with your point, be the short yards, maybe some goal line. But this is a team that is among the least rushing teams inside the red zone, and they're not going to bring in like Gary Blunt and all of a sudden flip the script and say, you know what, we're going to start going 50-50 inside the red zone. They're just not. They could increase. They could start running a little bit more, but they're not going to go from, I think, their second or third lowest in the league all of a sudden to be an option where you're going to want LeGarrette Blunt, not to mention the fact that Carrion Johnson is there. This is a backfield. This is another committee, Scott, and this is a committee that I don't want any part with, and if I do have a part of it, it's going to be Carrion Johnson as my third running back which I'm not getting because Kerryon Johnson's going as an RB2 in all the drafts I've been in so far and going in front of Marshawn Lynch and Royce Freeman and the rest because everybody's super excited and thinking he's going to be what the Lions wanted Amir Abdullah to be, which Amir Abdullah is not a guarantee to be cut anyway. So if you're looking at it, I think that LeGarrette Blunt is going to get four to seven carries per game. And that's really about it. And that's fine because Theo Riddick's going to get his four to seven receptions per game. And Carrion Johnson's going to get the rest. And I think the Lions are fine going with that. And that's what they want to do. But you're going to give me less than 10 touches a game. I'm not going to try and hope you score a touchdown. Here's the thing, though. Now, you talk about how they were, how they, how low they were in terms of carrying the ball inside the red zone. That's because of the personnel they had. When we have LeGarrette Blunt. And you have Carrion Johnson, the personnel changes. So why wouldn't they attempt it more? That was a weakness of theirs, I think, that they were looking to improve. You're talking about LeGarrette Blunt. He's still a 247-pound load. Carrion Johnson only weighs 206. Yeah, but I said it can change, but it's not going to jump enough. They're not going to go from second, third lowest to top 10. They're, just, they're not going to make that big of a difference because you want to talk about where the talent is. The talent is still Stafford, Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, and then you can even start including Ke- uh, Kenny Galladay this year. They're just not going to turn that much in one season just because they included Garrett Blunt, who's at this point pretty toast. I mean, look at, look at last year. What did, what did Garrett Blunt do last year? And he wasn't on the Lions. He was on a much better team. Yeah. Well, I, guess, uh, I guess if trends... 
follow, the Lions are going to win the Super Bowl, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Now, I was, I was going back to, you know, I talked about this earlier at the top of the show before you came in. Uh, Corey Clement, you know, is can now be that compliment to, uh, to Jay Ajayi. You know, what do you think of Clement as a possible sleeper in PPR, especially after what we saw in the playoffs against Atlanta in the Super Bowl? You know, this guy can catch passes out of the backfield and be a real nice compliment to Jay Ajayi. Mm, he could be, but he's being wildly overdrafted because people are forgetting about Darren Sproles and Doug Peterson. The fact is, this this is a backfield. People are like, oh, you know, this person's going to get more touches. Jay Ajayi is going to be great. And Corey Cl- Darren Sproles is coming back. Now, whether or not Darren Sproles is done because of the injury this late in his career, obviously that's a question. If Darren Sproles is done, then I will buy into Corey Clement. You are right. I'm not discounting that at all. But the fact is we don't know that as of right now. I think that's a lot to put on Corey Clement to start drafting him where people are taking him in the middle rounds and just forgetting about Darren Sproles because the fact is, and I just wrote about this the other day too, and you'll see some of this got more added to the package with sleepers and stuff like that, is Doug Peterson – has never had a running back that had more than 61 snaps in a game. Only three times have they had more than 44. All three of those running backs were Darren Sproles. He's also never had a backfield with more than 60% of the snaps in a single game. Again, that was Darren Sproles. So the fact is, is yes, Darren Sproles is a huge question mark, but the people drafting Jay Ajayi as an RB2, the people drafting Corey Clement in the 7th, 8th round as that value RB3 are forgetting that Doug Peterson shares the backfield more than anybody else in the league. I'm going to say that Sproles is done at age 35, and we didn't see too much of Adam in 2016. Uh, age 35, five six, one ninety, coming off of an injury. I, I don't have a lot of confidence. He was, yeah, I agree. He was an RB two in 2016. RB two. Yes. He had he had 52 catches for 427 yards. He was 24th. He was 24th. He had uh, looking right now. He was 24th at 438 rushing, two touchdowns, 52 receptions, 427 yards, and two touchdowns receiving. He was 24th in 15 games. Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't include the rushing numbers. You know, I'm, I, to me, I look at, uh, you know, maybe that's my bad, but to me, I look at Darren Sproles and what can he still do as a pass catcher because I'm not going to get him nothing out of him as a rusher. Uh, you know, at 35 years old, I no, still no. doubt that he could come back and be anything here. I think Chloe Clement's the future. I agree with you that eighth round is too early, but, you know, to me, look, I can get Corey Clement in the 12th round. Uh, you know, I, I I would go for it. If you're drafting in leagues that'll let him fall to that point, that's fine. But it's it's kind of depends. He's not going to end up by my. With. He's not going to end up by my team then. Yeah. I just I don't see Darren Sproles as a factor this year. I really don't. I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I'm counting him out. I'm not counting out Darren Sproles. I'm counting out for. I'm not drafting Darren Sproles in fantasy. I'm not getting excited about that. To me, the top two lead. guys there are Jai and Clement. Now they're the only ones that matter in fantasy to me. Uh, and even so, even if they are the top two, they are going to have a third in Sproles. Even if he's toast, or even if it's not Sproles, it'll be somebody else. If the he, fact if, is, if, Doug, if he's, he's toast, is he so Danell Pumphrey? Who? who? It w- no, the fact is that's what I'm saying. Is it's Doug Peterson doesn't give somebody significant touches. He doesn't. Wendell Smallwood's still on this team for all the facts that are still in this mix. 
It's, it's about anybody ignoring Doug Peterson and what he does with his backfields. That's the mistake people are making. I'm not ignoring it, but what I'm saying is, is that if you if you cross Sproles out of the picture, none of those other guys seem talented enough to stay step up and be, be that third down, be that third guy. More is like forcing Peterson to go with the top two. Uh, I I disagree. I think there's still talent left on this team. I think I think Pumphrey's good. Like the, I said, Pumphrey was the next Darren Sproles last hmm. year. Okay, maybe you're just a year late on that. Look at it. The, didn't say it would definitely. No, be I'm that saying. I'm saying. I'm saying it didn't happen last year. Sometimes you're a year early on on guys. You know. It, no, it no. Happened. I was saying I didn't say that happened last year. I said that's his talent. I wasn't expecting Darren Sproles to yeah. get hurt. I wasn't expecting him to be Darren Sproles last year. Right. Uh, looking at the Baltimore backfield, uh, I don't think everybody's convinced that Alex Collins is is the guy. Uh, that that maybe in training camp, you know, they're gonna uh, they're gonna push it. The coaching staff has not really annoyed him as the guy, and that Kenneth Dixon is still coming back. Do you think Alex Collins is the guy? I do. I think he is the the guy, especially with the talk that there was a beat reporter. Uh, uh, I say this all the time. I don't think the beat reporters know that much more than we do unless they hear specifically from the coaching staff themselves. Like, they're speculating as much as we are. They're out there watching the teams. We're watching the teams just from we're just all doing the same stuff. Just, we're speculating based on what we know, based on how we evaluate talent and what we're seeing. So unless the coach tells them differently – like I said, I just don't know that beat writers know anything more than we do. We actually have kind of more of a top-down approach than they do, honestly. But the fact is, all that being said, is there was a report saying that Kenneth Dixon could be cut. He could possibly miss the final 53. It's when those team, you know, the beat reporters start putting out their projections for the final 53 rosters. And all that's saying to me is what we already know, Scott, is whoever the pass-catching backup option is, it's still up in the air. It could still be Dixon. It could still be Buck Allen. Like we don't. The fact is, though, it is Alex Collins's backfield, and I know you're happy about that because you always liked Alex Collins. I did. I thought the, uh, I remember when he came in with Seattle as a fifth round pick, and especially play, seeing him play in this preseason, watching the film on him, etc. I thought he was elusive. I thought he was decisive. And when they cut him, I was like, wow, they're, they're really pissed off at him fumbling the ball the way he does. And then it turned out to be a problem as well early on with Baltimore. But once he learned to get more ball security, there was pretty much no stopping that guy. And, you know, I get impressed by those, those guys who, like, run well behind the Seattle offensive line when there's not, not a, got a lot of good blocking going on over the last few years. And, you know, that brings me back to Chris Carson. I... Carson was looking terrific early behind a really bad offensive line. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no question there. And the fact is, Alex Collins was actually one of the most efficient running backs last year. Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised, actually, when he broke out. But I probably should have picked him up in more leagues than I did, although I, I did pick him up in, in two. And, uh, you know, the Ravens this year, I don't know how much more interesting they're going to be to watch until Lamar Jackson Gets in there at some point. And, and, uh, what week do you think Lamar Jackson becomes the starter? I say week mm. five. I, I can see that. I'm a little bit later just because I'm looking at the schedule and I think they have to be almost out of it or close to it before they pull the plug on Joe Flacco. So I have more like the middle of the season, but week five wouldn't surprise me. Are you, 
No Roto Cleo today. I don't know if you're going to miss that or not. No, nah, it's Wasn't you know it's, it's 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 July. It's I mean we're basically almost into football season at this point anyway. Yeah, the competition and, wasn't uh, that fierce. You know, I was surprised the Mets beat the Marlins yesterday. I was thinking if they would have got swept in Miami, that Mickey Calloway would have been officially fired. You think he's on the ropes in his first season? I'm not blaming yes. him. He's, See, I'm not blaming team, him. The, t- I, the team, the team is not fundamentally prepared, and the mood in the in the clubhouse is just like, you, you know, it's it's very very uh, flat. And that 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 becomes a reflection on the manager, unfortunately. Uh, I don't think there's so much he could do, though. I think this team is just miserable in the offense. And what is he going to do when you have a lineup like that? that and it's not his fault. Jairus Familia can't close a game with a three-run lead. There are a lot of fundamental errors going on, and this team just they they can't hit. You know, they're going to have to fire the manager to send some sort of message and clean house here. Jake was a fun uh, fun hosting with you today. Uh, you know, always missed the spitting statistician, but it was good for us to talk some running backs here. Yeah, good times as always. Back at it uh, soon. A little more the draft. Yeah, a little, little more Nando DeFito quoting there. All right. Thanks for listening to the Roto Experts in the morning. We'll see you tomorrow. Dane Martinez will be back from teaching rapping camp to from his rapping camp with the young young people in Manhattan.